We'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're on a series. You can look in your bulletin. There's some notes. You can follow along, and I don't have a whole lot of time today, so I'm going to be rushing through some of this. But um, I was thinking, okay, we're on the series on weird, and that means that we have to be different. Jesus said there were two roads, a broad road, and that many people follow, but the bad thing is it leads to destruction, right? But there's another road that Jesus said that um, few get on, and uh, it's a narrow road, and, but it leads to life. And that, that's what Jesus has called us to be on. It's not on a road that everybody's doing it. You know, because everybody's doing it, you guys know, it doesn't make it right. And, uh, but, but what we are called to live is a life that is supposed to be different. We're peculiar people. We're weird. We're different from this world. Now, it's really the normal, the God normal that we're supposed to be on. But it's weird to the people out there in the world. It's weird to the people that are on this broad road that leads to destruction. And our goal as a believer is to stay on that narrow road to be an example. If you really want to be relevant, get on the narrow path. Relevancy is that I I show you something different than what you're on. Because you're on a road that's in destruction. So our goal is to be different so we can be a light so that everyone around us can see, hey, I want what you have. Well, if you want what I have, you have to do what I do. And you have to come to the Lord. You have to receive Christ. I think the, the greatest thing that the church can do to be a witness in our nation is to be different. Everybody say amen. amen. So I was thinking about today, I think, well, okay, what, what God, I mean, there's a number of areas that I could have gone on today. And, um, but I was thinking, okay, we could, we could talk about the difference in money. And I think I'm going to eventually talk about that, being weird in your money. Um, and which is a good thing, by the way, and not follow the world, because money in the world is dead, and I don't have enough. That's what the normal road is. I'm, I'm broke, and I'm living from paycheck to paycheck, and I never have enough, or it's I'm, I'm thirsty for money. That's all I want. That's all I care about, and nothing else matters. So we don't want to be on that road. So I thought about going about that, and I'm, I'm probably going to do something later. I, I, just, I don't have time to actually focus on that this, on this series. But and so I was thinking about it. I could do money, but there's one thing that I feel like can control all of that, and it's in. And if we get this under control, I mean, under control of the Holy Spirit, if we get this area in our life under control, then we're definitely going to be weird, and we're going to be on that road of life, that road of the abundant life that God has for us, and it's in the area of our thoughts. I think that's one of the, 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 the hardest areas in our life to control is in our thought life. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says this in verse 4. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, your thoughts are very important, whether you know that or not. How many of you guys, you guys think, right? Every one of us do. We can't get away of thinking about something, whether it's good or it's bad. I mean, a lot of times it captivates us. And a lot of times what captivates us is not a good thing. It's not the God thing. It's not the God thoughts. And so Paul's saying here that 
that we have weapons. In fact, he's, he's, he's talking about how do we deal with the destructive thoughts and feelings that come as a result or hearing or believing things that are untrue. And a lot of times we go throughout the day and we hear things that are untrue and we think about it and we worry. Or there's something inside of us that's, that's saying something. How many of you guys have many voices in your head? Don't raise your hand. They'll, they'll... We all know we're weird anyway that way. Everybody does. And so we have these things going on in our head telling us that you're no good, that, that you should worry, you should fear, you should not do that, or you should do that. And there's so many things that are going on. And so we are losing control in our thought life. So what happens with our thoughts, it controls us. It controls how we live. It controls how we think. It really begins to control how we believe. And then when it controls how we believe, it controls our actions. And so Paul tells us here that they, the, in verse 4, he says, These weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mining off for pulling down strongholds. Now that word weapons can be translated tools. So Paul says that, that we have tools that are not based out of the flesh, but they're spiritual. But they are mighty. They're strong. They're, they have an ability to take these thoughts that we are focusing on and get them out of our lives. And tearing down these strongholds. Now these aren't, I'm not talking about demonic strongholds here. That's in your life, in your thoughts. These are intellectual, they're cultural, they're religious, they're philosophical strongholds. These are thoughts and ideas and, and things that are wrong, that actually are against the Lord. And so Paul says in verse 5 that with these tools... He's going to cast down all these arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing everything, all your thoughts, everything you're thinking about, everything that you're meditating about, to captivity, to the obedience of Christ. So bringing something in captivity captive to the obedience of Christ means I'm going to make a determination. Does this argument, does this thought, does this doctrine, does this imagination really line up with what Jesus accomplished through his obedience? So what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary and what he did through his resurrection, does what I'm thinking, does what I'm imagining, does what I'm, I'm, I'm meditating on line up with what he accomplished at the cross of at the cross and through his resurrection. And if it doesn't, then I've got to reject it. Immediately. I've got to reject it. So it will tell me, if, if I'm thinking something, let's say I'm thinking I'm no good. Or I'm sad. Or I'm depressed. And I, I don't have any hope. Or if I start dwelling on those things. And listen, I'm saying those things because I've thought of those things before. So if I dwell on those things, if I dwell on the things that, on depression, on, on I'm no good, or I'm not good enough, or whatever, does it line up to what the Word of God says about me? No. So I have to reject it. And if I reject it, then I'm saying that Jesus is the center of my life. If I keep on thinking about it, then Jesus moves over. And that thought moves in. And it almost becomes a, a Lord or a God in my life. 
See, whatever those thoughts you've been dealing with, they will tend to control you. They'll control how you feel. They control how you live. They control how you speak. They control what you believe. And once they control what you believe, you start acting upon those things. If you've, how many has ever been depressed before? Raise your hand. My hand. I got both hands up, by the way. Well, the way I got depressed is because I believed a thought that was against the knowledge of God. And I told Jesus, I don't believe you any longer in that area. I believe this thought. And I talked myself into being depressed. And so Paul says that I need to, I have tools to take that stronghold, that thought that keeps on coming up in my mind, to tear it down and bring it into obedience to the, to, to, to the obedience of Christ. To bring it captive. That means that I place Jesus in the center and I only say or think what He says about me. Or what I read in His Word. Now let, let me give you a story because this is very, it can be very demonic though. Because if you begin, because there's only two, two forms of thought in this world. It's God and the enemy, the devil. Right? Your sinful desires. So there's two ways of thought. So whether I'm either placing Jesus as the Lord of my life, or I'm tr- and what he thinks about me, or I'm placing the enemy, the devil, and what this world thinks about me as the Lord of my life. Now turn to Matthew chapter 16, 23. It says 16, 33. Typo, my mistake. But anyway, 16, 23 in your Bible. And in, in chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, you guys remember the story. Um, Jesus asked his disciples, what do this, does the crowd say about me? You guys remember that? And the crowd said, I mean, Jesus said, well, some of you think you're a prophet. Some of you think you're a good teacher and so on. And so Jesus said, okay, what do you think about me? He really wanted to know what they thought about me. And then Peter stands up and says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, Jesus said, man, no man told you that. The only way you knew that is because my Father God, the Holy Spirit, gave that to you. So then he goes on to the spill saying, you know, upon that rock, Peter, I'm going to build my church. And uh, Peter's feeling pretty good about himself, wouldn't you? That would be pretty cool. Well, later on in that chapter, not too far away, Jesus starts talking about how he's going to die. He's telling his disciples, I'm going, to, I'm going to die. What does Peter do? He doesn't like that. So what he goes over to, to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, come here. I've got to speak to you. So he takes Jesus aside. You know what the Bible says he does? He rebukes them. How stupid is that? Rebuking the Son of God. How many, I don't want to be in that place. You know, the, the thing I've, I've learned in my life, I've, I've been saved since 1983, I, um, I, one thing I've learned is that I, I, it, I don't correct God because the, the thing about it is he's always right and I'm always wrong. So you don't correct the Lord. And so Jesus says something to him, something very powerful to him. Jesus changed his tune. He doesn't really you know, endorse Peter here like he was before. This is how quickly your thoughts can change. He says, get behind me, Satan. Why does he say that? He says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but on the things of men. Here's the the crazy picture here. Jesus tells Peter, 
get behind me, Satan, because your mind is not set on the things above, on the things of God. It is set on the things of man. Listen, let me tell you something. Anytime we begin to you know, entertain a thought. Now, a thought's going to come in. That, that's not your problem. Thoughts are always going to come into your mind. But when you begin to entertain it and begin to dwell on it and begin to meditate on it and begin to think about it, it is like you, right there, you are taking Peter's place and Jesus say, get behind me, Satan. Because you have moved Jesus from the center of your thought life over and placed something else and saying, this is more powerful than you, Lord. Because humanity, when humanity comes without Christ, our humanity, when we come without Christ, it is, it is, it is at the center of, of their life is demonic in nature. See, Jesus rebuked Peter because his mind is centered on man, on the things down here, not on the things of God, and had not, did not have Christ in the center. It's like some believers, they do this sometimes. You know, we as believers, you know, we're saved, but there's some areas in our life that we haven't really fully given control over the Lord. And so what happens is, and sometimes in our thinking, that we do that. And so we start trying to do things the world way, and we leave Christ out of it. So we only get so-so results. I mean, you can be successful, but still only so-so results. Results. You can have a lot of money. You know, you know people can make money without the Lord. How many of you guys know that? But there's not true happiness in money, is there? There's not true joy in money. In fact, I, I know people who make a lot of money are, are, are failing in every area of their life. They're failing in, they're in, they're in debt, even though they make a lot of money. Or they're not bringing happiness, but they think money will bring them happiness. So what happens to a believer sometimes is that we will do things and we'll leave Jesus out of it. Even though we love Jesus over here, but we only get so-so results in them. Now, I'm a believer, but in that part of my life, I become a practicing atheist. Because Jesus is not the center of my life. When I begin to think something that's the opposite of what, how God thinks about me, and I begin to entertain those thoughts that get me depressed and sad and I lose hope, I tell the Lord, take a hike. And I'm practicing atheism because I believe those thoughts over his word about me. And over his word about what he's going to do in and through me. And that's why Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because his mind was not on Christ. It was on this world. See, we have to set our mind on things above, Colossians 3, 2. And weird people have their minds set on the Lord. So everything that we think about should run through a Jesus filter in our life. Hey, does that, is that something that you said, Lord, about me? Or is that something I'm believing a lie? Because listen, number one here, people are products of their thoughts. You are a product of your thought. You are what you continually think about. Proverbs 23, 7 says that. For as a man thinks, so is he. You are a product of your thought life. And you change your life by changing your mindset. That's the only way you're going to really change that. Because right thinking precedes right actions. And the opposite is true. Wrong thinking does wrong actions. 
And when there's only two sources here, God or the enemy and his ways or God's ways, then you need to choose God's ways every single time. See, the devil wants you to worry and and to think outside of God's word so that he can gain access in your life. And it isn't that what, 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 you know, we, happens all the time to us. That we begin to worry and we begin to be in fear and we begin to have condemnation and we begin to not, not move out into what God's called us to do or be who God's called us to be because of the, that thought life. And we live a life of, of fear and depression and, and that's never a good thing. See, that's the same thing what Eve did, didn't isn't that right? Hey, the, the enemy came in and he gave this suggestion. He says, hey, you're not really complete. If you want to be like God, which you already was like God. If you want to be like God, then you need to eat that tree that God tells you not to. And so she began to entertain that thought. What, what should she have done? Get away from me, snake. Right? She should have done that. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, it was, really, it, it was really Adam's fault because he didn't train her right, but we're not going to go there, right, women? That's another time, amen? And uh, so it really is not Eve's fault as much as it is Adam's fault. Can I, can I hear an amen? So we have to watch out from those thoughts because they can gain a foothold in our life. Ephesians 4.27 says, Leave no such room. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give him any opportunity. And this is how he comes in. And he gains a foothold because of those thoughts. And it's because a lot of times we have an empty mind. I'm not calling you stupid. But your mind is sometimes empty. Because you have not, an empty mind is a mind that has not been renewed by the Word of God. Listen, I, I, sometimes my mind is empty. And my wife is not here to say amen. So. But sometimes, because I didn't renew my mind that day, or that week, or something, that the enemy, these thoughts are coming into me, and I'm, I'm feeling bad, I'm feeling depressed, and all I want to eat is ho-hos and Twinkies. Amen? And so, because my mind is empty of the Word, I haven't dwelt on the Word of God. These thoughts come in and move over, Jesus. I'm going to entertain this. Because I don't, I don't have your Word right now. See, one way to control your thoughts is by your devotions. By having the times where you spend in the presence of God and spend in the Word of God. You know, devotion, that, that word means love, loyalty, enthusiasm for a person, activity, or a cause. I'm devoted to you, Lord. And, and to have those every day and every morning is not oh, a, a time waster. It's a time saver. And you know why? Because you, you don't waste your time thinking of things that aren't going to even happen. Or thinking of things that aren't even true about you. And when you sharpen your axe, you know, you'll be able to cut away those thoughts, those things, those imaginations that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And you know it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God because you were in the Word that morning. And at noontime, you're, you're thinking, man, I'm no good, I'm, I'm defeated or whatever. You said, no! I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. So when I spend time in His presence... He's able to take the things that are not of Him and move them out and replace them 
with the things that are. And see, that's so important. And when you begin struggling with your mind and, and, and these thoughts and you're sitting in bed in the morning and say, I don't want to get up. It's going to be a terrible day. You need to run to the Word of God and say, no, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. And you may and see the thing about it is you don't have to have any circumstances when you're a man and woman of the word of God and you have in your devotions and you're in the presence of God. You don't have to have circumstances that tell you what is right because you live by faith. See, the way you think will either express your faith or undermine your faith. So we have to have the right thoughts. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Because your thoughts determine what you're going to do today. Your thoughts determine your destiny. Bill Johnson, he, uh, he's, a, he's a pastor and he wrote, wrote a book. And he said this. He says, I can't afford to have a thought about me in my head that he doesn't have in his head. Talking about God. About me. Anytime I entertain things that are not absolutely true and central in his perspective, God's perspective about me then I'm visiting something that will war against what he thinks about me. Do you, you understand? That you could be thinking a thought that is actually warring against what God wants to do in your life. That makes you and your thought life an enemy to God's purposes. Man, that's just good stuff right there. Have you ever thought that? I, I'm, I've actually never thought that until I started studying this. That I'm actually becoming an enemy to the ways and the purposes and the things of God. When I think thoughts that aren't of Him. Because they're trying to tear me away from the Lord. They're trying to tear me away from the things of God. And when I entertain them, I'm actually giving the enemy the weapons to defeat God's purposes in my life. And I have to stop that. So when we think things that aren't true and aren't right according to God's word, we're fighting against the Lord. So we got we got to stop that. So we have to take hold of our thought lives so that your life can be changed. We've got to take hold of our thoughts so our lives can be completely changed. And so when I'm in the word of God, what begins to happen? I begin to build um, um, weapons inside of me that will stop those thoughts immediately. So when the enemy comes in and tries to say, hey, Sean, you're this. Oh, Sean, you're failing. Or Sean, you're, you're no good. Or Sean, Sean, you really should be sad right now. Then I have weapons that are built inside of me. So nothing's going to come in me because I've been dwelling on good fruit. I've been dwelling on the word of God. And if, and if I continue to dwell on those things. Then when those thoughts come in. I can tell them to where to go. To get out. So you feed your heart and your mind with right things. So the thoughts will line up properly. Because what you meditate on is the source of your action. You know a person doesn't get up in the, in the morning and says I'm going to go rob a bank. They have already planned it out. They have meditated on it. You don't sin by accident. You meditate on it. You think about it. 
You don't get sad just all the time just by accident. You, it's a choice. It's a choice. And listen, let me tell you something. Bad things are going to happen. But we have to choose joy every time. Now, sometimes there's, there's I'm not talking about sorrow and, and when someone passes away. I'm not talking about being hurt. There's times of weeping. Don't get me wrong. There's times of weeping. Those are, those are not times that are going to tell you who your identity. I'm talking about things that talking to you about your identity and how you live. And when those thoughts come in, you know, you've got to choose. Am I going to, and I'm going to go this way with my thoughts, or I'm going to go with the way of the Lord, the way of Christ. And God wants you to have that inside of you. God wants you to think from the source, His Word. And when your mind is off of God, you're going to fail. But when your mind is on God, you're going to succeed. Adam and Eve fell when they took their minds off God. Everything in life begins in our thought life. It's like a seed. So when I think of things that are sad or depressing, and that's what is making me do that. Now, there's some things you've got to think about that, oh, I need to change this. And that's not, that's not dwelling on those things. You have the word of the Lord. But when a thought becomes in my mind that says you're no good or it's not, it's, it's, you, know, you have no hope, there's no way out, you know, that type of thing, then if I start dwelling on those things, it's, gonna, it's a seed planted. Or am I going to dwell on the thoughts of God? Those are also seeds that are planted. What harvest do you want to have with your thoughts? You've got to choose that. Because you can win the battle over your mind. And I know it's hard. And I know sometimes you feel like you can't do anything. I know, I know people, and I've been this way too, that you, know, you can speak to them the word. They know the word of God. You can speak to them, but they just, they just I, I don't care. They got to a place, and I've gotten to a place in my life where I didn't care. I was mad. I was angry. I was sad. I was depressed. And it was almost like a drug that I wanted to continue doing those things. Being sad, being angry, being depressed. It's because I, I dwelt on it so much, it became a part of who I was. But I've also been one who's been so happy that nothing, nothing could get me mad. Even somebody who's going 35 and 55 mile an hour, it didn't get me mad. Why? Because I dwelt on the right things. We have to be consistent. In dwelling on the right things and dwelling on the God things. So how do we do that? Number one, there's four ways, four principles to win the battle over your mind. Number one, put off your old way of thinking. Put off your old way of thinking. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 says that you put off concerning your former, former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, and then set your mind and affections on higher things. When you put off those things, you can set your mind on things above. You can set your mind on who Christ is. 
and what he has done. But you have to choose that, no, I'm no longer. And some of you have been maybe in this time of depression or time of sadness or, or things that kind of are crippling you and, and you have no vision. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you, the only way out of it is your decision. It's not a feeling. Things aren't going to be better before you get out of it. If, if that is what leads you, guess what? That will lead you back down. If things start to get better, oh, yay, I can get out of this. It's, it was a lie. But if that's what leads you, guess what's going to happen in the next few weeks? Something's not going to go right. And you're going to be led back down to that same old pit. So the only way out of it is that I make a decision to take off the old man. To decide that what I'm thinking about is not of God. And it's a fight, but it's a fight of faith that you're going to win. And that you get your butt off out of bed, amen? And you choose to do it, no matter if you feel like it or not. Because this is a fight, and you need to tell everybody else about your problem. Because we've all been there. Because you can't do this alone. So you need someone else around you that's going to say, put off. The old man put on this new one. It's like taking off stinky clothes. Right? Dirty clothes. And you're putting on new ones. Men know a lot about that. They, they smell their clothes all the time to see if it's clean. If, it's not, if it smells bad, what do we do, men? Throw it away. Put it in the... Well, we may, may throw it away. I don't know. But <laughs> this is too far gone. But anyway, but we put on new stuff. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things above, not things on the earth. And in verse 6 says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all of these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created Him. So let me tell you this. Those who are in fear, those who are in depression, and it's hard to get out, listen, let me tell you something. You think there isn't a new man inside of you. You're believing a lie. There is a new man inside of you that is joyful, that loves Jesus, and that has faith. And you have to make that determination to take off the old garment and put on the new. And you're not going to feel like it right at first, but let me tell you something. As you work through this process, and as you do an act of faith, that's what it is. You're going to start feeling different. You're going to start thinking different. You're going to start acting different because you chose to do that. Number two is you need to rid yourself of fear. Because fear gives access to your mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Fear is an enemy of God. It is designed to get your thoughts off God. And you want to be afraid of something. How many's ever been afraid of something? How many, how many ever was afraid of something this week? I mean, you're thinking, oh my goodness. How are we, you know, we, we paid our bills this month, but how are we going to do it next month? Well, the same way you paid it this month, the checks are going to come in. God's going to provide. But the enemy wants to get you fear and get you into worry. Because if he gets you in those places, you're not going to do what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. 
So fear is an enemy of God. You know, condemnation is a form of fear. How many of you guys have ever been condemned before? It's a form of fear. What, what is a form of fear of? It's a fear that I'm not going to be forgiven. I'm not going to be liked by God. But that's a, that's, a, that's a life in the pit of hell. And so God says in 1 John 4, 18, be perfected in God's love because perfect love casts out what? Fear. So you need to put on the new man, but you also need to get rid of fear in your life. Anytime fear comes in, you know it's not of God. God doesn't lead you by fear. He won't. He won't do that. He won't lead you by fear. If you're fearful of your finances, fearful of your family, fearful of flying in airplanes or whatever, God does not lead you by fear. It is of the enemy, the devil. So get out fear. Number three. Develop a sound or disciplined mind. An undisciplined mind is one whose thoughts waver. It's unstable. James 1, chapter 5, uh, James 1, verse 5 says this, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to them. But let him ask in faith without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Man, how many of you guys ever, you ever felt that before in your thought life? That you're going from one opinion to the next opinion, one, one thought to the next thought? And, it's, and it's, you're unstable. You're unstable. So we need to develop a sound mind. So how do we do that? We begin to consecrate, con- concentrate on the Lord and on His thoughts. A dis- disciplined mind is not easily confused. So you begin to, to begin to refuse to think on anything but one thing. Jesus. Because He is everything. Amen? Jesus said that. Jesus is is everything. Everything. That's all we need is Him. And so when you're in that place of depression or you're thinking thoughts that are bringing in fear or whatever, you just think on Him. Just think on Him. Start worshiping Jesus. And just, if you can't do anything, just say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I Trust me, you'll get out of those thoughts. Ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you say? Let him tell you. Let him lead you and believe those thoughts. And then number four, focus on God's thoughts. When we focus on his thoughts, we refuse to focus on anything else, then that's going to lead us to perfect peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Trust in the Lord forever. Amen. Because we trust in the Lord. And then Philippians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And guess what? After I do that, when I come to the Lord and I allow the Lord's thoughts to be in my, my thoughts, that I begin to praise Him and worship Him and thank Him and let my requests be made known by, to God, then it says, and the peace of God, 
which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through who? Christ Jesus being at the center. Now look at verse 8. Then finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate, chew on these things. Amen?